Nothing's off the table. But TL's got a great teaching tonight. She's going to do more than summarize. Yeah, I'm not going to summarize tonight. She's excited. Yeah, I am. So um, these chapters that we read this week are the pinnacle or the theme of Leviticus. Okay, so just to summarize a little bit to put us in the context, it took three months to go from Egypt to Mount Sinai, which is where they are now as Moses is getting the book of Leviticus. This is also the place that remember when Moses was called by God, God said, I'll give you a sign and I'll bring you and all the people back to this place. So that's where they are. It took three months from the Passover to now receiving the laws and the commands from Leviticus. Now they stayed at Mount Sinai from Exodus 19 through Numbers 11. So as we're reading through to Numbers 10 next week, they're still at Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the 40 years comes after all this. All right. Mm -hmm. This is <laughs> this is not accumulating much time. Uh, then God gave the laws of Leviticus within one month to Moses. So this whole book was given in one month. And we know that from Exodus 40, 17 to Numbers 1, 1. There's dates on both of those. If you, anybody wants all this information, I can send it to you. And then in the book of Leviticus, although it's primarily addressed to the priests, God only addresses Aaron one time directly, and that is immediately after his two sons died by the fire. Okay. Otherwise, everything came through Moses to Aaron. Okay. And so that's the context of now getting into chapter 19, really 19, 20, and 21. And what we see in chapter 19, verse 1 is, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, now it's not only the priests and the Levites. Now it's all the people. God is calling all the people to be holy. We see it again in Leviticus 20, verse 7. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And then in verse 26. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from all the other peoples that you should be mine. So God is going out of his way to say holiness is the responsibility of not only the priests and the priest family, the Levites, but all the congregation. This is communal holiness. Holiness means to be separate, different, distinct, set apart. It's not by playing by the rules of the world, but now by playing by God's commands. Okay, so not by the world's demands anymore, but by God's commands. And God does not imply that we are to be God. He says we are to be like God. Now, the reason why holiness is so important in Leviticus 19 and 20 is because whatever a concept 
or a theme crosses over from the New Testament to the Old Testament, this is kind of like the foundation of God. So holiness continues in the New Testament. We heard that last week from Manda's teaching from 1 Peter 2.9. We're all called to be priests, a holy priesthood. We also hear it in 1 Peter 1.16. And I'll get to that. I'll read it to you. That says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now, holiness looks differently in the New Testament than the Old Testament, because holiness in the Old Testament is not only associated with morals and ethics, but holiness is also associated with offerings like Bobby was talking about the burnt offerings the grain offerings which we don't do now so holiness in the new testament is directly related to the holy spirit get it we get the holy spirit and the holy spirit job is to work with us to be holy for the lord our god is holy how we do that is what Bobby and I tend to talk about every week how the Holy Spirit transforms us, renews our mind, how he sets us apart. We talk about the hows a lot, and that is through the Holy Spirit. But tonight we're going to talk about the why. All right. Why do we need to be holy? Why does this matter to God? And why should it matter to us? And what does, what does holiness really mean to us today? So, Holiness um, today is the work of faith. Okay, so we are saved through faith, right? We're saved, we know that we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, not of works, lest anybody should boast. So in other words, no one gets into heaven because of their works. No one gets into heaven because they have lived such a good life that now God says, oh, I'm so surprised. You reach my standard and you get to, no, we get to heaven only through faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that he died on the cross for our sins, knowing that we fall short and need a savior, knowing that his blood on the cross is our atonement or has made us one at one mint with God. That's what atonement, that's one of the definitions at one mint at one with God. So he is our atonement. So when we go to James 2, James explains what the work of faith is. Because the works of faith is what happens to us after we're saved through faith. So we're saved through faith, but then what the Holy Spirit does in us is a work of faith. And we see that best in James chapter two. I've got to find my James note. If you want to turn to it, you can, but I already have a mark. So I'm going to get, we're going to go through a lot of verses. So I'll just tell you the verses. Okay. So James two, we're going to start in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? 
Okay, let's talk about that. Can faith save us? I mean, James is looking for the answer of no, but really Paul tells us that faith saves us. In Christ. Faith in Christ. But just faith doesn't save us. It's faith in Christ. So then if we go down to verse 17, faith by itself doesn't save us. That's what James is trying to say. If it does not have works, it's dead. So faith without works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And James says, show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Okay. So faith, active faith has works. Now, Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, and who understood that the Catholic Church was demanding constant works. And those works had to do a lot of times with money, giving money to the church. That was the work at the time that Martin Luther was opposed to, that he said at the time, we need to throw out the book of James from the Bible because we cannot get to heaven through our works. And yet, the Catholic Church is preaching that if you don't do these works, you're not going to go to heaven. So he did not like the book of James because he felt the Catholic Church relied too much on if you don't have works, your faith is dead. The problem with that is if anyone changed the whole history of the church today or the ecclesiology, it is Martin Luther. His faith had clear works in that he came up against the teaching of the Catholic Church and started the whole Presbyterian movement. I mean, the Protestant movement. So we have to realize that if we have real faith, it is constantly working to please God. That is the work God is asking us to do, to do his will. We read in, uh, I think it was Psalm 40. Behold, I have come in the volume of the book to do your will, O God. You don't delight in sacrifices. You delight in someone who does your will. Doing God's will is the work of God. And then James goes into even Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. So works matter. And, and the reason why works are part of holiness, I mean, we can see that clearly in Leviticus because we see how hard the priest has to work, like Charlene was saying. Their diet is different. All the, um, their wardrobe is different. The candle lighting, the constant diagnosing of leprosy, of cleanness, of being unclean, mold in the house. I mean, if a woman's in adultery, if they're having sex with the wrong people at the wrong place, the wrong time. I mean, there are so many different things, even that you couldn't mix polyester and cotton or, you know, you, know, you couldn't mix certain fabrics together. I mean, there were so many different works that we see in Leviticus that God did call holy. Like by following those things, he called them holy. But why, if we have Jesus and we know we're saved, do we have to work so hard at it? 
Like what happens to the peace of God? What happens is just joy in the Lord. I mean, I mean, what, why did, why is holiness so important? And the reason why holiness is so important or doing the work of God on earth as it is in heaven, which is our, our father, our prayer is because every Christian will stand before the bemis seat of Christ and be judged. And sometimes I don't think we realize this because we're, we're so comfortable with grace that we don't always realize that the unbeliever doesn't even need to be judged because they just don't believe. That's it. But the believer stands before the Lord who, who Paul refers to it as a beam of seat. And this is in 2 Corinthians 5.10. So if you have your Bibles, if you can go to 2 Corinthians 5.10, that would be good. Mm-hmm. So we all see this together. We're going to start in verse 6. Okay, so verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's actually referring to the Bemis seat, which was a Roman like courtroom where a judge would actually sit on, they called it the Bemis seat and would judge the works of the Romans. The judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. That is not just faith, that is works. We all stand before God for what we have done on earth in the body, knowing the truth about the Lord. And then Paul continues to say, whether good or evil. So even Christians have the ability to still be doing evil. Evil means these things will be burnt up and we will not have a reward for any evil thing we do. But Christians will receive rewards for eternal use. And I don't think we always Mm -hmm. realize that. Okay, Mm -hmm. so now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter three. Mm -hmm. When my daughter Emily was six, the play Annie was coming to uh, its Christian youth theater. And usually you have to be at least 12 to be in this, but they needed some younger orphans. So in order to try out, uh, the participant would have to sing a song and would have to do some acting and then they would be called back. And you have to do this in front of a room full of people. So you've got parents, you've got the siblings, you've got the person who's going to try out. You've got a person on a piano who might play, you know, a couple of the tunes so the person who's trying out can sing. You've got the judges in the front row. I mean, 
I mean, my daughter turned to me, she was six and she turned to me and she said, mom, I don't think I can do this. And I said, you're right. I couldn't do it either. Let's go home. And she said, no, mom, I'm not going home. I'm doing this. I was like, oh, I mean, I really couldn't have done it. I mean, here I'm the adult. She's my six-year-old. And I'm thinking the gravity of this, the intensity of this is horrific. But she got up there and she sang her little song. She got the part. She had to come back two more times. She got the part. She played the littlest orphan. And, um, but I remember thinking, gosh, I wouldn't do this. Who would put themselves through all this? Why would you go through all of this just to hear maybe no, right? And I think sometimes that's how we are with Christianity. Christi when we really live to please the Lord and not ourselves, it is hard. I mean, Paul says that he was a spectacle. He was considered a fool, that he had been beaten so many times. The persecution was relentless, that he had tears day and night. That like, I mean, and sometimes I read about Paul's life and I go, I don't want to do that. I just want to go home and make my spaghetti and meatballs. You know, like, why do we want to do this? And, and really the reason why, the reason why we do this is because this life is not, is a dress rehearsal. This life, when Emily got that part, then she had to go to dress rehearsal and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse for months. And it was exhausting just so that they could put on this play for seven times. At least that our dress rehearsal matters. Our present day actions have eternal consequences. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, how we live here, how we live out our Christian life here determines how we will live there in heaven for eternity. I don't think, so I, I talked to a couple people about this. I said to somebody, do you realize that what we do here matters up there? Like, like the positions that we take here, the extent of, of like taking the coins that the owner gives us and we decide if we're going to hide it in the dirt or if two then becomes four or if five then becomes 10. What we do down here with our faith gives us different positions for heaven. Because in heaven, we're not floating around on clouds. In heaven, it's not like, oh, finally we made it, we're done. No, we're just getting started. This is the dress rehearsal. That is the play. Does that make sense? Like I'm making that pretty clear, right? Okay, so how do we, how do we know this? How, how do we get all this. And it's through so many verses in scripture. I don't think we tend to hear it mm -hmm. in just the teaching, you know, I, you know, but it does have to do with holiness and it does have to do with Lord, make me holy for your holy Lord entrust me on earth. When, when I was in that fast, it started with repentance. And I said to Bobby, how long did that repentance last? You know, and, uh, the, the, uh, the, 
fall, the presence of the Lord falling on me was December 13th. And then I knew I needed to enter into a fast on January 3rd. That whole period from the 13th to the 3rd, all I heard from the Lord was how I have fallen short. I have lost my faith. I have lost my way. Who do I think I am? You are no better than anybody else. Who cares that you have taught the Bible? You're going to be held in judgment for having a lack of faith. I mean, I was on my knees, on my face, shaking, literally, like Hebrew says, it's a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, shaking, saying to the Lord, have I fallen from grace? Have I fallen from grace? Can, can I not be saved? Am I not saved? And I kept thinking of Hebrew six. And finally, eventually it hit me. Oh, I wouldn't be hearing the Lord if I wasn't going to be in a place to repent. Okay, finally it hit me. And then what hit me was, oh my gosh, Lord, I am so thankful I have this conviction on earth because this is what it's gonna be before the judgment seat of Christ. This is how it's gonna be. God's gonna say, you missed it. What did you do with all those gifts I've given you on earth? Really? Because it made you uncomfortable? You wouldn't use the gift I have given you to bless people for eternity? I mean, you know, I'm pretty passionate right now because it was that bad for that long. And then I had 40 days to figure it out, figure it out how to change and how to turn from my ways and please the Lord. Because let me tell you, I do not want to stand before the Lord and hear all the ways I didn't use his gifts. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. That is all I want to hear. And no matter how uncomfortable this is, I do not want to live in a bubble that I'm just comfortable. I want to live for the Lord. Because what does the Old Testament tell us? We're saved by faith. Then God gives us gifts. Mm -hmm. The gifts are for a work and the works bear fruit. Mm -hmm. That's how this works. It works all together. You're saved by faith. You cannot boast, but he gives you gifts. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Those gifts are for the work. We are all God's workmanship created to do good works. Same passages in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that you're saved by faith and through grace, right? But it's for a good work because you're his workmanship. And what does the work bear? Fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience. But between the work and the fruit, there is pain. There is pruning. There is repentance. There is aha moments. There, it's not easy. There are persecutions, which I read, to which we all read today. So we're in 1 Corinthians 3. Let's see Paul talk about this in another way. But this is still about the Bema Seed of Christ. We're going to get to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Verse one, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? 
So of the flesh means living by the ways of the world and not living a life that's holy and set apart to do God's will on earth. For when one says, I follow Paul, who's writing Corinthians, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So I'm going to change those words of Paul to an Apollos to Bobby and Tony Lee. Okay, because people do this to us all the time. Well, I like Bobby's teaching better. You know, she's my favorite. And then people say, well, you know, I really like what took, like we get compared to all the time. And we hate, I mean, I, I really hated it. I hated it the most when we would be at a retreat and she shared something that then after we're done speaking, the whole line was lined up for Bobby. <laughs> And nobody's lined up for me. And I really hated it then. That is so not true. It is true. It was at Emmanuel Faith. That is so Okay. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. So here we go. (laughs) So here we go. And Charlene. For when one says, I follow Bobby, and another, I follow TL, are you not being merely human? What then is Bobby? And what is... TL, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So in other words, some people do hear the message better with my teaching. And some people do hear the message better with Bobby's teaching. But we have been assigned to this task. It, okay, next. I planted, Bobby watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. So in other words, we are both accountable. Paul and Apollos are both accountable to God. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing everything God says, that I'm supposed to be doing when I'm teaching, I am judged for that. And I will be held accountable for my labor. Bobby too. She can get up here and not prepare and just speak truth because that's what she's gifted to do. But she will be held accountable if she's not saying what God wants her to say and how God wants her to do it. So this is kind of like when pastors are in sexual sin, right? If they're up there preaching, preaching, preaching against sexual sin, and then they're in sexual sin, they are held accountable before God. Now, yeah, the church says, ah, forget you, we're moving on. But they're held accountable for that before God, because that's the labor they're called to do, to be holy and pure and constantly confessing because we all fall short of the glory of God. Verse nine, for we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. So Paul laid the foundation of the Corinthian church, but now Apollos is teaching, but, but he said, let each one take care of how he builds it. Like we're all accountable to God. So everybody does what God has called them to do. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus. Okay, now here comes the beam of seed of Christ. Verse 12. 
Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. What is the day? The day is the day we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Christians only stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Mm -hmm. Christians only stand before the Bema seat of Christ because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what such kind of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Mm -hmm. So I've called that before fire insurance. Like you'll make it to heaven because you have the insurance, the insurance of the assurance that you're saved through faith. But you don't have, like we always say, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Well, whoever dies with the most treasures in heaven enjoys them in heaven for eternity. So let's look at some verses that support this. All right. Well, let's read a couple more. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So we are to, holiness has to do with the gifts that have the works that bear the fruit. So let's go to Luke 12. Luke 12 is very similar to what we read the last couple of days in Mark. Mm -hmm. And Luke 12 and verse, verse 35, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes back. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Verse 43, blessed is the servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Where is that? in heaven that's in heaven this parable has to do with the coming of jesus when he reigns in his kingdom and if we are found faithful in doing what the servant says doing what jesus the master says we will be set over all of his possessions and if you go to verse um 40 i mean 33 Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we are doing works on earth that's building treasures in heaven. And we will know this when we stand before the Lord at the judgment of the Christian of the works that we do. Okay. So again, I am so thankful, so thankful that God got to me 
on earth is I really would not have wanted to hear any of that in heaven. Okay, so the next verse we're going to go to is Revelation. That's an easy one. Revelation 22.12. This is Jesus's words in Revelation. And he says, well, I'm going to start in verse 11. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. And recompense means wages and rewards. Pretty good. I am bringing the wages I am bringing the rewards to repay each one for what he has done. All right, so I'm gonna say it again. How we live here determines how we live there for eternity. In Leviticus, it is about corporate worship and there is an accountability as a group of people, as a church, like we're a group of people that are coming together. But, and as teachers were told to never use the word you, how you live here determines how you live. We're, we're told not to do this. So we're told to use we, because, you know, just it's not as insulting, I guess. But in this case, it is an individual standing before God. It is a you. How I live here determines how I will live there for eternity. And it does determine the treasures that I will have. It does determine. And it is all according to the gift, the gifts that were given here. Now, I want to end in, sec in James again, James chapter two, which is where we started, because the reading the reading in Leviticus this week was so much about the poor. I mean, it was, to me, it was like, God's wanting us to identify with the poor. God's wanting us to give things away to the poor. I mean, I, I thought it was so odd too, that he says, go, this is Jesus said to the rich uh, ruler, go sell what you have and give. And I thought, why do you have to sell what you have if you're going to give it anyway? And like, I mean, are you giving money then? I mean, is that like, why are we going to sell so we can give, you know, like, why can't we just give what we have? But he said, go and sell and then give. So in James chapter two, works without, I mean, faith without works is dead, has to also do with the poor. So again, this is a concept that goes from the Old Testament and crosses to the New Testament. So this is still God's heart today. Again, verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, it does not have, if it does not have works, is dead. So again, I think one of the clear things that the Lord said was, you can't come into the kingdom of God because I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was sick and you didn't take, you didn't help me to get better. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was like, 
there are some really clear things that we don't have to ask the Lord to be necessarily spirit led to do. I mean, there's some really clear things that we are called to do, and it is called holiness and holy living by taking care of the poor, by reaching out to prisoners, by visiting the sick. I mean, there's just some basic things that just please the Lord. Other things, defending the widow and the orphan. Um, I mean, judging without partiality, uh, being merciful and forgiving all. I mean, there, there are just so many things that we don't have to say, Lord, is this your will? Because he says it's his will. Like we know it's his will. And it does cross the Old Testament to the New Testament barrier. So other things that we do, we have to realize that it does come with prayer. And sometimes it comes with prayer and fasting. We read that story too in the New Testament about Jesus saying to the father, how long has he been like this? You know, that these demons are throwing him in fire and water and trying to kill him. And the father says, uh, can you please help us? Can you please save us? And if it's possible. And Jesus said, if it's possible. And at that minute, the father separated himself from his son and said, help my unbelief. And until the father could admit he had unbelief, Jesus wasn't going to do a thing with the son. I mean, and we have to realize that too. Some of our holiness does start with asking God to help our unbelief. And that is a prayer of faith that will lead to works of just sometimes repentance to say, Lord, help my unbelief, so that then God can move through our prayers and through our lives and then through our children or our loved ones' lives. But we have to realize that if the work we have to do is just patience until God answers, if the work we have to do is an act of faith of believing that he gave me these promises and I'm going to wait for the Lord to fulfill these promises. That all counts in heaven. So it's not just works like feeding the hungry or clothing the uh, naked or visiting those in prison. Sometimes it's just works of obedience. Like with Saul, Samuel said, wait till I come. And Saul got nervous and presented the offering before Samuel got there and Samuel came and called it rebellion and said, the kingdom is now taken from you. So if Saul could have just obeyed through waiting, he would have been blessed. But then we see that the result of works are the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. So love is a quality of God, but it's also a fruit. So through this process of you have works, you have a gift that has a work that then bears a fruit leads to the same thing. Starts with God, love of God, ends with God. Fruit of the spirit is love. Fruit of the spirit is joy. Love, joy, peace, patience. All those things are what God looks like. So God says, I'm not asking you to be God. I'm asking you to be like God. 
So be holy because I am holy. So the work that I'm going to do starts with me, starts with God and his characteristics. We go through this process of using the gifts to do what he's asked us to do, to bear the fruit, and the fruit looks like God. So it's just one big circle, but we are held accountable mm -hmm. for that process. Okay. So we end with be holy for I am holy. Yeah. This you can read a, that one. There's so many of this them. This is another good Go one. Go ahead. Read it. That's a good one. So um, in Matthew, we just read the, the book of Matthew and in Matthew 12, verse 33, either make the tree good. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about in this age and the age to come. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus talking. You brood of vipers. He's talking to the Pharisees. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, the Bema seat, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Great cloud of witnesses that are watching us and right. watching to see how God's going to move through us to have his will be done on earth. We are the people, like Paul says, that are continuing to add to the sufferings of Christ. I mean, we are his home, his sweet smelling aroma. His, I mean, we need to pray, Lord, don't let me get in the way of your will. Don't allow anything that I want to do trump your will for me because we don't want to stand before the judgment seat of God and go, how did I miss it? You know, how did I miss, how did I, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just came through it. So maybe that's why I'm so overly passionate about it, but, mm -hmm. but it does count. And if we don't, I feel like if Bobby and I don't, our title is daily disciples. And if we don't really explain what that means and why that's so important, we have missed our calling here. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. We feel the same way. Mm -hmm.